Welcome to the HCI Family of Podcasts, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We share our own original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. Join us for practitioner-oriented content around all things leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with the HCI family of podcasts. Larry McAllister, welcome to the conversation today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Northern California. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah, and we both happen to be in the middle of snowstorms at the moment, which is a lot of fun. Uh, but I'm thrilled to have a chance to talk with you today about how we can go about embracing cutting-edge AI and tech-enabled strategies to inspire innovators within our organizations. Ultimately, we want to be able to leverage these technologies and these capabilities, but they can seem scary, uh, they can seem overwhelming, and just thinking about AI I'm thinking, my goodness, there are so many new tools being released constantly, like dozens a week, almost, it seems like. And uh, so it really can seem overwhelming for people who who want to lean into it, who want to embrace it, but aren't really quite sure where to start. So we'll be exploring all of this together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Larry's bio with everybody. Three-time CHRO Larry McAllister is distinguished as a career-long innovator and natural-born leader in the HR space, most recently serving as VP of Global Talent at NetApp and named in the Top 50 Human Resource Professional Awards. Larry is consistently sought after to bring transformation and thought leadership, including evolving HR itself as needed. Now, I could continue. There's so many great things about you and your career. Please don't. Larry, <laughs> I'm going to pause there. Anything else you would like to highlight by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in? Sure. I would just say for the last 10 years, I led HR and talent and tech transformations at two big Fortune 500 companies. Uh, and then I left to write a book called The Power to Transform, which is now published, and to consult with HR, AI, tech companies mm -hmm. uh, to help them with their roadmaps, sell better to HR, understand what the needs are. Uh, and that has been an eye-opening experience. So I'm glad we get to talk about some of that today. Yeah, fascinating. And uh, the, the the HR tech space and the HR AI space uh, is quite the wild west at the moment. I, I'm sure you could speak to that much more than I can, um, but I, I, I'm thrilled to just be able to to dive in deep on this and and explore all this together. Okay, why don't we start by having you just kind of lay out the general landscape as you see it. Um, with the current, well, maybe even leading up to the current environment, like where have things been going, say the last five years or so um, that have gotten us to where we are today? And then we can start to dive into what companies are dealing with now. So I think in general, AI has been heavily invested in. I say we're yeah. in the golden age of our uh, HR technology. There's, we're caught up, you know, all the money used to go into Salesforce and go into all, you know, mm -hmm. revenue generating tools, which you have to, but HR tech has caught up. So I think HR folks, need to think of themselves as technologists. You can't wait for someone to bring it to you. Uh, you have to be able to go out and find out what it is. And we'll get into that, how you do that a little bit later. But what happened recently in 2023 is the explosion of generative AI, right, which things, right. you know, the basics are like ChatGPT or whatever, but it's across the spectrum. And for the first time in history, humans and machines are literally collaborating together. That's what generative AI does. You can collaborate. 
so the idea of being worried about ethics, absolutely. Being worried about, you know, is it correct? Absolutely. But putting your head in the sand, there's no more hiding from it. Uh, we have to get ahead of it. And I think my top of the line advice is embrace, understand, and, and then figure out how to implement, which we'll talk about in a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And you highlighted, you know, the ethical component, the bias component, that it is something we need to be very much aware of and to continue to talk about in relation to generative AI. Uh, we need to talk about, um, you know, the the stuff that it produces, because sometimes it's not completely accurate. Sometimes it's making stuff up because uh, it sounds right um, uh, or whatever. So we, so we need to have humans that can monitor uh and 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 have checks on those sorts of things um you know as part of the 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 path towards new content that we're creating or, or whatever so there are ways that we can mitigate the risks and and reduce or even eliminate many of the challenges and risks that people are really concerned about but we do have to invest in it we have to be committed to it and ultimately like you said putting your head in the sand isn't going to get it done. Uh, you may be nervous about it. You may not be happy about it. You may think this is the worst thing ever and that it's the beginning <laughs> of the end. Uh, it's okay to feel all of those things. But again, we, if we put our head in the sand, it's not just going to magically go away. We have to figure out how we're going to work within this context. Yeah. Well, generative AI is going to have a bigger and more faster impact on society than anything we've ever seen in technology, more than the internet, more than the cell phone, uh, since fire. Uh, mm -hmm. It's going to touch every part of your life, uh, your kids' lives, your job, your home. So I'm building out a AI-enabled leadership academy to really understand what does the leader of 2025 have to embrace. And the core of that is humanity and empathy. You know, mm -hmm. remember in the old days we had emotional intelligence and, you know, IQ? The IQ has gotten a lot better with generative AI. So now we have mm -hmm. to lean more into what humanity is and how to be an empathic leader and use these tools as the new way that you can go faster and be a better communicator and use analytics in a new way, uh, build your own trainings on the fly. Um, if we think of ethics a little bit, you know, if you think of chat GPT and BARD, those are mm -hmm. gigantic things that can hallucinate once. Yeah. But if we're looking at small apps that are honed, their AI is honed to help you solve a particular problem, like a training or a coaching or an analytics, the, the risk of failure, the risk of hallucination is greatly reduced. So I think yeah. separate chat GPT from what these tools are actually doing and understand what they are. And, uh, you know, I talked about it in my last company. This is right before Genervaya came out. We decided what problems do we need to solve inside of this? Company? We built a talent strategy first, right? Mm -hmm. If you just bring in a piece of technology and turn it on, this idea of build it and they will come, they don't. Right. Right. Build a strategy, communicate a strategy, just digest it. We had activate yourself, activate the team, activate the enterprise and activate the future. And had, what does that mean? What's the mindsets around that? That's more important. That's where all our training is going to be around those four things. Then we had an HR tech parade. We brought in 16 vendors and had a scorecard. What are these things going to do to help solve the problems that we define and narrow that down to five vendors uh, that we brought in? I brought in seven vendors in two years and propelled the strategy. So my Big message is find out what your problem is, communicate the strategy, then you go look at the tech now. Uh, and then the parallel to that, or the, the other thing is make sure you're bringing a technology against the employee experience. Are, is our hiring too slow? Uh, is our onboarding too slow? Do people not feel they have a growth path here? What are the biggest issues? 
versus what your strategy is. And that's how you pinpoint what kind of technology you need to bring in. Yeah. I mean, and that sounds obvious, like first identify the problem, then create a strategy, then look for the tools that can, I mean, that seems basic, but it seems like most people aren't doing that right now. Like, like some new tool comes out and we're like, Ooh, that looks super fancy. And then you spend all this time like playing with it to try to figure out, okay, now how can we like retrofit this in? That is spot on. You, you exactly said it, retrofitting it in. Uh, that's never going to work. That's why. And, and I think that is why people get cold feet. You know, they'll bring in something that so, got sold to them will solve a problem, but that's not the problem you're trying to solve. And then you right. go from, what you're expecting 80% of your employees, 60% of your employees to try it in the first year, and you get 10% of your employees, you're like, I, I'm out, right? This, I was, this failed. Uh, and then you don't want to, you won't get budget for the next one, or you won't get the buy-in for the next one. So um, just bringing it in, the shiny object is not the answer. The solving of your problem is. Um, and I, I think you've seen, I've seen job openings for head of HR digital transformation. You know, th- mm-hmm. there are new jobs now, like prompt engineers. This is already changing mm-hmm. the face of, of how uh, companies think about growing their employees and driving their business. So it's, it's here for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the tech enabled strategies, developing those first based on the real issues and problems that you're facing with a mind towards employee experience is what I'm hearing you say is kind of the foundational piece that's necessary before we start going out and looking at the new tools that we want to try to bring in. Right. Um, and, and, and to your point a minute ago, Every vendor is going to come in and say, hey, we we know you are experiencing these problems. We can solve it. That's their business case for why they exist. But every organization is a little bit different. Every context is a little bit different. And so just because generally they might be able to help organizations with XYZ problem doesn't mean that they're going to, their solution is going to be able to fit your exact problem or that even that's the biggest pressing problem for your organization. So even though it could be a useful tool, maybe you do have that problem, but maybe it's like the 10th down the list and you really have other things that are much more important right. that you need to focus on. So, I mean, right. all you have a hundred problems, right? You can get a hundred solutions, but so, yeah. you know, I said the HR tech parade, it sounds like a fun event, which it was, yeah. but the rigor of having a cross sort of group team put together a scorecard. What are we really after? And the rigor of that was really what made it. So that forced us to think about what are our problems? What are our priorities? And inside that problem, what are the most important things we need to solve this year, next year, and the following year? So the rigor of just putting our scorecards together and thinking about the problem uh, in a numeric number almost mm-hmm. uh, really made that tech parade. If, if people can answer those questions, they didn't get to the parade. Then when they got to the parade, we were able to stack rank them against what we had managers at the tech parade, IT, legal, HR folks, recruiters. So it was it was a very cross-functional. Everyone had their own reasons, but we we agreed on what the technology was uh, and what the scorecard was. And that really made us have much more impact when we brought these tools in. Can you, can you uh, zoom in a little bit more and talk specifically about how you went about creating that scorecard? Um, if you don't mind, I, I mean, clearly it was connected to the problems people were facing and some of the strategies that you've already talked about. Um, but yeah, like what were some of those items on the scorecard? And, and I don't ask this as like some prescriptive thing. Like we're not no, saying, no. okay, everyone's everyone going to have to do have these things on their scorecard. It's going to be different for every organization, right? That's the point. But like, what was your process to put together that scorecard? Yeah. So we, we said, what is the biggest problem that we're seeing in the pulse survey? 
was a problem we're seeing, like just hearing at the executive level. And the two things were, I don't know what my, where my growth is here. And there's a lot of silos inside this. Company. Mm -hmm. So we decided what would be the best internal mobility tool also that would develop you and help you move across the organization to break down silos. So that was our number one. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where we brought in fuel 50. Fuel 50 was able to say, People can see their next three steps inside this company. And I always say, that's why I wrote the mm -hmm. check to them. And then yeah. you could post gigs and find uh, mentors inside the company that we said are not part of your organization. So mm -hmm. it was an entire enterprise-wide system that solved the two biggest problems at the biggest impact. And at the time we implemented it, we were the fastest implementer of Fuel50 in their history. 60% of our employees did the self-assessment in the first. Um, so that was the... And then the second one was, oh, we're getting, we cannot recruit fast enough. We're, we're getting beat to the punch. So how do we source faster? Uh, so we had a couple of, um, couple of gen, uh, AI matching recruiting mm -hmm. tools. Uh, and the one that was the fastest that we chose was Eightfold at the time. They were able to say, here's a stack rank of everyone who's ever applied to your company uh, that matches your job. Mm -hmm. So I always say technology doesn't replace the human interaction, it gets you to the human interaction faster and with more yes. actionable data. So the recruiters didn't have to do all that sourcing. They're immediately going right to the candidate. So those are the first two really big enterprise ones we brought in based on our two needs and our scorecards. Yeah. And you talked about doing some pulse surveys, then building off of the pulse surveys. And ultimately, you know, I, what I want to highlight here is just the need as we're putting together something like this scorecard that you're talking about, like the need for collaboration, the need for buy-in across the organization. You're not going to be able to come up with a scorecard unless you go through like this process. And it's not going to work. Like you, you said, you were the fastest implementer ever of this particular product um, in, the, in their history. That's not going to happen unless you have buy-in. And that's buy-in's not going to be let me give generated. you two more great buy-in things yeah. that's i mean your point is spot on I, you know, we didn't even practice this and you're hitting all the mm. right questions one is um i immediately brought in what i called a business advisory group before any technology or even the, or even the, the, the strategy so it was 12 vps around the world that were seasoned credible and pessimistic mm. So we would run stuff by them. This is what we're doing. This is about, this is what the talent strategy is going to be. This is how we're going to present it. What do you think? That serves two purposes. You have now 12 season credible champions for you who are inviting you to their team meetings who are talking about this. And then when you go to the CEO staff or to budgeting meetings, you have 12 people on your slide deck that says, I approve this. Mm -hmm. So that's buy-in, that's influence. Uh, and that, that we kept that the entire time. The second thing was, once we had the tools ready to go, we had a tech parade where the CEO, the CHRO, myself kicked it off. We had um, CEOs of these tech companies that were coming to talk. We had outside speakers, internal speakers. And it was the highest, besides like one of our biggest all-hands meeting, this was the highest attended a week long. And the purpose of that was for the top of the top of the company to say, the way you grow the way we operate and treat each other and think about high-performing teams changes today, right? Mm. It's a giant statement that provides buy-in and air cover. And I, I, I can do this. And this company cares about me. And during the pandemic, we were doing this. So during the pandemic, you're getting Pulse Survey back that's saying, you care about me. That is the ultimate thing to hear during a pandemic. 
and, and you care about me, you care about my growth. And I, I love this company. After the career week, we had, you know, took a survey and the best one that came in says, this is the best company ever. So transparency, transparency, authenticity, and clear communication change the entire way that this transformation yeah, those are such important key elements to any transformation, any change. And when you're doing some sort of a tech transformation, uh, absolutely essential. So thank you. Thank you for highlighting all that. Um, something else you said just a minute ago, like in one of the one of the tools that you decided to to write a check for and to implement it, it hit multiple boxes, right? Um, and so you were able to leverage it in multiple ways to help the organization. And, and I just want to highlight how important it is to think carefully about the number of tools we're asking our people to adopt. Um, sometimes there really is a really wonderful new tool that's going to be perfect for you. It's going to meet your needs and, and solve your problem. And it doesn't currently integrate with anything else. And so you just have to buy a separate tool that happens and, and you deal with that and, and you, you, you know, you do the cost benefit analysis and, and everything. But what we also need to be very aware of is that so many organizations are adopting so many tools that there's probably a need to prune quite a bit um, because people can't possibly be constantly uh, adopting new things. And you're, you're wasting time and money, honestly, um, because you're, you're just having too many things that don't really get utilized. Yeah, I think that goes, that's a great point. It goes back to what we were talking about. If you're bringing a tool to solve a basic problem, like processing, mm -hmm. you know, that 10% of the company you're going to use and it's obviously faster, that's entirely different. Right. You can do that as a one-off. Like, geez, this is going to make us go faster. Thank God. But if you're doing an enterprise-wide change where you're saying every employee needs to do this, if it is not backed by the strategy and the voice of the CEO um, and you know approved by our scorecard, it is not going to get digested correctly, as we mentioned. Now, to your point, you bring three things that no one knows about or doesn't really seem clear what it's doing. You're just like, it solves that problem. It solves that problem. You're overfeeding the baby. And you know what happens <laughs> when, you know, when you do that, we all know what happens. So that's why enablement, I changed the name of my team. Uh, I had talent acquisition, but I also had mm -hmm. talent development, which we changed to talent enablement. Mm -hmm. So I'm not here to manage you. I'm here to enable you to have the best mindset, the best strategy, and the best tools to enable you to do your best work of your career at this. Uh, so it's important to, as you said earlier, it all has to fit into what this company is trying to do, what the growth strategy is. And if you can tie the business, to the HR uh, and the technology strategies do that. That's how you have true transformation, which means behavior change over the long term. And yeah, that's, yeah. That's over, over the long term, sustainable change. That's what we're shooting for. Um, you've laid out, I think, really well what we can do proactively um, as we're starting to develop our strategies and 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 go out and talk to vendors, etc. What about the organizations or the people who are, are joining us today who are thinking, that sounds wonderful, but we're like way past that. Like we've already adopted all these things and it's a mess and it's not being utilized and our digital transformation's a joke and blah, blah, blah. Like it's not going well. N nothing yeah. that you oh, just described is what they've done, right? Yeah, so, so it's like time out, right? <laughs> yeah, so if, if if that's happening, what what can you any suggestions or advice for leaders on how to kind of after the fact start that pruning process so that yeah. you can get some get back into the range of of manageable and and helpful i so i think step one is stop banging your head against the wall <laughs> it's, it's very difficult to save the drowning you know the ship that's going down 
you're not going to be able to do it. So you have to, I think you have to stop and reset uh, and say, okay, because you know what happens is the natural inclination is to keep pounding on that tool until it works and it ain't going to work because there's more structural enterprise wipe. Right? Yeah. And if you get it to work and you get a couple of people to do it, it's not sustainable. So I would say time out and reevaluate what are we really trying to do? Because you have to get your, your eyesight off of the tool and onto this, what we're really trying to do. What is the problem? Ignore all the tools. Pretend they're not even here. What's yeah. the biggest problem and what are we trying to solve? How has that changed since we first started this process? Because it changes every year. Uh, and restart, what are we really trying to do? And then prioritize, okay, which one of these tools is doing that? Is this the right tool? Yes or no? Uh, and you may have to swap out. But I think, and it's okay to stop something in order to get the messaging and get the strategy right and, and digested. What are we trying to do is more important than what's the tool. So I think it's, it's a reset is important because you, you're, I would say, you know, you're just digging a hole as opposed to planting a tree. <laughs> yes, I, I love that. I, I think the reset, you have to be really secure and confident in your leadership to be able to do that kind of a reset and but but it's 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 going to be the most effective when you want to go through and 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 objectively evaluate everything that you have and make sure that you're pruning back and, and making the right choices and it's really hard because we have this sunk cost fallacy like we've already invested a lot of money into this tool we've already invested a lot of time to this tool we've already put in a lot of effort towards communication and strategy and blah 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 all the different things that we probably have done in relation to whatever these tools are that aren't really working, aren't really being utilized the way we would want them to be. And so, like you said, we, we just keep on banging on it and we keep on banging our heads against the wall thinking we just a little bit more and we can get it. And you have to be willing to, to, to reset and step away from something that's not working. And sometimes that means there are sunk costs. It's okay. It but are you going to sink more costs into that? And time. And, you, and in time, or are you going to yeah. move on? And that's the question. And I know this is a guess. If the tool itself is broken or did not do what you expected, that's an entirely different problem, mm -hmm. right? You have to deal with the vendor. That's an entirely different problem. That's usually not the point. Usually yeah. the point is organizations didn't have the right communication enablement and tie into their strategy. So we would get digested into it. That's usually the problem. And if you're presenting the problem that you brought up is it's just not working, just not working, that's why you need a reset. It's usually not the vendor. And if it is, then break your contract, right? That's a whole yeah. different story. If you're talking about, are we transforming the right way with the use of technology? That's usually on the organization. Um, that's when it's just get a timeout and reevaluate. Yeah, yeah. And that means maybe you have to admit you made, you made the wrong call. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> earlier. Sometimes that happens. It, it, it happens, but it's better to recognize that and admit it now than try to just churn away and work on something that's not working for a couple more years and then make the change, right. right? I mean, when I was getting interviewed at my last company, I was telling the execs, I was like, you know, transformation doesn't go A to B. It's mm -hmm. not a direct line. We'll plan it as a direct line, but it's probably not going to go on a direct line. Uh, and we're going to break some glass. Some stuff is not going to work. Because transformation needs speed, right? It needs velocity. So we say velocity is speed times direction. Uh, and if you're not moving at speed, the, the transformation dies. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you have to go at speed, that means you're going to break some glass and some things are not going to work for the sake of the longer term enterprise wide change. 
Uh, and sometimes you brought it, we brought, I brought in one, I brought in a, a small, it was sort of a recruiting tool that it just didn't get picked up by the recruiters. And we just, we ended up killing it and, and went to the tech parade say, we need to do this in a much more methodical. Uh, so it happens, but, but dragging through a year of that or 18 months of that is, is hurting the morale and the engagement of your own team. And it's going to make it that much harder the next time. <laughs> no one's going to give you the keys. It, right? If you keep banging the car into the pole, no one's going to be the keys next time. They'll yeah. pull over and, and reevaluate. Yeah, absolutely. And one other thing I want to mention that you talked about earlier is I think the hidden gem of having an HR tech stack like this is the voice of the employee is so much broader. So mm -hmm. most of companies rely just on the pulse survey, which gives mm -hmm. you a certain amount. They're answering a question or questions and AI is analyzing them and saying, here's the big engagement factors, absolutely needed bedrock. But if you're getting feedback from Fuel50, which is telling you what skills do people want? What jobs do people want? What kind of things are they learning? That's an entirely different thing. We had BetterUp as a vendor, which is a coaching, mobile coaching. Mm -hmm. They're saying, this is what people are asking for, especially during the pandemic. It went from, I wanna be a great leader to I don't wanna die, right? I wanna be right. felt like I'm cared for. So you start integrating all those with a, a tool like Presidio, which attaches to all those tools, uses generative AI and tells you what the problems are, can predict turnover. And then your next year's talent strategy, your next year's budget is totally, completely done with data from the company's employees, which is so much more powerful than you going in there and saying, this is what I think, this is what I think. Data, true data from across your HR tech stack is 100x more important than just a pulser. Yeah. Yeah, well said. Larry, this has just been a fascinating conversation. I know we've only scratched the surface. There's so much more we could go into, but I know at the time I need to let you go here in just a minute. So before we wrap things up for today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, uh, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Sure. So Larry McAllister book is where you can uh, get a book and some bonus material. Um, also, you can hit me on LinkedIn. Uh, I think those are the two easiest ways, LarryMcAllisterBook.com and LinkedIn. And I think you are a technologist, you are a transformationalist. HR is not here to babysit. HR is here to make sure that employees and managers have the easiest way to grow themselves in the company. I love it. Thank you, Larry. It's been a pleasure. I encourage the Thanks, audience John. to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Larry can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. They can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the podcast. We hope you stay healthy and safe and please join us again soon.